Welcome back to another commodity update brought to you by the team from Mercado.com.au. Today we have myself talking about grains. We got Olivia Agar. She's going to be multi-commodities and she's going to cover off on sheep and wool. And Matt's going to be talking about cattle. Matt, what's happening in the cattle markets? A pretty interesting week this week. Um, Price-wise, a um, few indicators higher, uh, a few kind of flattish and a few lower, but um, there's a couple of good things that eventuated. Obviously, the um, Bureau of Meteorology have put out their forecast at the end of the month for the three months, and that's looking like a really good wet winter and also a winter that's going to have less frost and a bit warmer weather, so um, that's kind of a positive. Um, just looking at root zone moisture on our um, market comment on Friday, and we can see through vast parts of New South Wales there's some good uh, moisture in the soil now thankfully areas that had previously been suffering under drought so we have seen um, quite a bit of um, restocking activity in the New South Wales area both for cattle and sheep but I might let Olivia talk about the sheep part certainly for yardings if you look at East Coast yardings we've actually had the lowest yarding level just last week it's 73% below the five-year trend so there's just um, not much cattle out there on offer at the sale yard and um now, if you look at the breakdown of the states, it's actually New South Wales that has got the lowest of the lot. They're 83% down, whereas um, Queensland's down only 63%, and Victoria's down 73%. So it's, it's New South Wales that are leading the, the kind of retention of stock, I guess, for one of a better description. Um, and that's kind of combined to just see for some categories, we saw a bit of a price lift this week. Um, Veal Steers were the best uh, performer, up 4.5% nearly to 4.20 cents a kilo live weight. Um, but, um, I mean, the, the thing I was really looking at this week in the commentary, though, was just how much the prices have gained uh, since the start of the year. And we've pretty much, across the categories that MLA are reporting for COVID-19, uh, we've had uh, between an 18 to a 35% price rise in across all categories. So, you know, a really good start for producers, beef producers. Um, and it looks like going into a really good winter and tight supply still, and the US market still... Um, lifting again uh, up above uh, that 100 level we spoke about a few weeks back, 100 US cents a, a pound. Um, it's all kind of looking like a reasonably positive um, outcome for beef producers. So, yeah, good week all round, really. What about cattle on feed? Did you mention that? Oh, yep. So, what's, cattle what's on feed, there? yeah, we've seen. Um, so, that's come off quite a bit. Um, and uh, Angus, uh, one of the other analysts, put out a, a piece on that um, during the week. So, uh, the lowest, pretty sure the, the lowest um, on feed levels now in two years in terms of numbers. They're still above a million head, which is, you know, historically, if you look back further, over a million head was pretty good going. But, you know, we've seen some significant um, reduction in cattle on feed. And I guess part of that as well is. Um, is for those out there that are going to have plenty of pasture, then there's less of an incentive, I suppose, to, um, to be able to run through the, the feedlot there. When you know, we are going through the, the thick of the drought, um, there was probably more of an incentive uh, or indeed that they had to had given there because there was not much pasture available to, to keep those cattle going. So, And that's been an interesting development, just how much the cattle and feed numbers have dropped and it's all placements that are, um, that are, um, that are leading the, the, the decline there. It's a good segue into greens then. That's it. So... I guess over the past week, there's not been a huge amount. It's been pretty, pretty bloody boring, to be honest. Not a huge amount happening in, in, in the grains markets. We've seen overseas a little bit of pressure on prices um, in terms of a bit of concerns that Europe was a bit dry and there's a lot of the forecasts are sort of moving back the way. And I think that's largely, we've basically just traded back to the levels we were at last Thursday. So things are really flat. Uh, looking locally... You know, you pointed out, Matt, about the good weather, and we've almost got perfect weather now for large parts of the Australian cropping belts. 
And that's where we're starting to see a little bit of pressure, or there will be a bit of pressure coming forward as we see the old crop prices have still got a drought premium priced in because last year we didn't produce much. We are starting to see that that spread between old crop and new crop will really start slowly sliding down old crop to meet and converge with, with, with new crop prices. So I think if you are holding on to grain from from last year, then I think it's probably worthwhile thinking about selling it definitely before we, uh, we get to September. Um, interesting enough, when you talk about that, that sort of cattle on feed, there's definitely, when we, look, when we talk to feed consumers, there's more and more consumers switching to barley, which will have a bit of pressure on, on wheat because you know, traditionally we use a lot of wheat for feeding in Australia. And now there's going to be a bigger switch to barley as, as that spread between wheat and barley remains you know, very high. And so I think ongoing, we will probably see in future years that there won't be as big a reliance on wheat. You know, consumers who traditionally wouldn't really touch all that much uh, barley are, are more inclined to give barley a shot. So it's going to be interesting for the long term as well. What's uh, I know in the north, uh, as you head up there as well, those sorghum's another one that they throw into the ration there. Andrew, is um, is there any kind of, you know, is that kind of something the barley coming into that market too would impact the sorghum scenario? Or? Yeah, well, that would be an interesting one because like our sorghum crop this year was, was pretty abysmal and the next sorghum crop won't be planted until October onwards because it's a summer crop. And really... You know, from from a feed point of view, for the domestic demand, then barley will impact upon sorghum. But alternatively, as well, like the sorghum can be exported to China; it's not subject to tariffs. So it's kind of a, a yes and no. If, if China decides they want the sorghum, then that will keep sorghum prices supported. But if if they don't buy much sorghum, or or they buy it from the US or replace it with corn, then it will be domestically focused. And, and barley and sorghum are, are, are interchangeable to an extent. So yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, now for something completely different, I'll go just quickly off topic. Um, I'm just looking at the Mercado, the new website that you and Olivia are responsible for. Good job on that, by the way. But um, I noticed there's a little bit of a banner talking about a winter crop input intention survey. What's all that about? Olivia can probably cover that one. That's, that's her, her baby. Well, we've been engaged to have a look at what um, what crop farmers are looking at um, investing in their crop for the upcoming season. So whether they're looking at reducing or increasing their investment in the winter cropping program. So it's just a short, sharp survey on there that we'd encourage anyone um, in the winter cropping this year to get on and please help us out by um, completing that. What, what, what's the sort of initial results so far? Um, initial results are that most people are looking to um, input the same amount of money that they were last season, really. That was the um, the majority of respondents have said that they're planning on spending about the same amount that they did last year. So, so just um, carry on as normal. Yeah. See yeah. how it goes. Right, oh, sheep and wool. Yeah, well, a pretty interesting week for sheep and lamb as well. Like um, like cattle, it was one of those situations where we're having to double-check the numbers just to make sure something hadn't gone amiss um, this week with the yardings and slaughter figures. Um, 
So there were just under 40,000 lambs that passed through East Coast Yards for the week, which is, I mean, that's a huge 83% lower than the five-year average for that time of year. I mean, we, we knew, of course, that supply was tightening and, and it was going to stay that way for the next few months, but we've been looking at the 2011 season as a bit of an indication of what supply looks like in the rebuild year and how it might play out, but the figures for, for last week, they literally dropped off the charts and we, we always know it's a big week when we have to adjust the vertical axis on our charts. Um, but then going back to 2011, and so the lowest weekly East Coast land yardings we saw in that week were 70,000 um, heads. So when you look at the 40,000 that we had last week, it's a huge dip um, compared to what we've been seeing. So yeah, we'll have to keep watching what that does going forward. And, and sheep yardings was a similar picture as well. There were very few sheep in yards and New South Wales particularly was driving a lot of that, but also Victoria. Um, obviously, like Matt said, the, the bit of rainfall around there seems to be giving a lot of confidence back to hold on to stock. And, and we've also seen prices have certainly been responding to that tight supply. So all the COVID-19 indicators um, had gains for this week. The mutton CV19 indicator was up 5.3% to 180 ahead. Uh, processor lambs were had quite a big jump up 10%. And then even the restocker lamb indicator had a bit of a rise at 3.8 to sit at uh, 164 ahead on, on Thursday. Um, so quite quite some good gains there in, in the lamb sheep categories. And um, Angus also did a piece on Mercado this week looking at um, the, the value and whether you can justify where the prices of use are at at the moment um, because they've been getting some extraordinary results on Options Plus last week. I think they hit a new record for Scandinavian first cross use. So have a look on there if you haven't um, had a look at that article already. Um, and now over to Wool. Um, I know I palmed it off a bit to Rob last week so that he could be the bearer of bad news, but I do love a good market story on a Friday, and that's what we've got this week for Wool. Um, there's plenty of green about in the auction results, even that we do have a small offering, um, but buyer sentiment was definitely improved this week. Uh, the Eastern market indicator was up 15 cents, and in the West as well, there was a 25 cent lift. Um, and that regained a lot of the force from the week earlier. Uh, the gains were across the board. They're all in all of the MPGs, although the 18 to 21 micron category was particularly strong. Um, actually, the crossbred sector also performed really well, uh, just with a small offering this week. Um, we are still a long way from where the levels were pre-COVID, though, so since since January, we've seen the average merino wool values fall 27% in US terms. So even though there has been a lot of um, buyer sentiment pickup in the recent week, really, and the low offering is helping to support there, it's, um, it's that retail demand and global economic picture that really needs more security before we see a big turnaround. So, yeah, that's the story for wool and lamb and sheep this week. Yep. We'll probably leave it there uh, in terms of that survey. We'll put the survey link in the bottom of this podcast. So if you get a chance to, to, to fill it in, literally takes you 25 seconds. Uh, 
thanks very much for for listening uh, if you want to share this around feel free share it with your friends and family uh, and yeah and leave a like below and uh, and yeah we hope you enjoyed it so thanks very much guys thank you